You're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And, you know, we all have women in our lives that we care deeply about. Our mothers, our wives, our sisters, our daughters, many of us, our friends. And... Of course, October is Breast and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, and so we want to focus on women's health today. Women tend to be the primary caregivers, and they often put the needs of others before themselves. Uh, I know my wife, who I've been married to for almost 29 years now, certainly does that. And, you know, they put their personal health last on the to-do list oftentimes, and especially during the past year with the pandemic, Many have kind of put off routine diagnostic exams and tests and things like that. Alarmingly, one one in eight women will develop breast cancer in her lifetime, and over 20,000 women will be diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2021 alone. So what are some of the new tools and preventions on the horizon? How does diet factor into all of this? What can we be doing for prevention? How can we support our loved ones when they get such uh, emotional news? Today on our show, we have Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's a radiation oncologist at Tenova. He's been a friend of our shows for a couple of years. Always uh, great to have him with us. He's joining us to talk about women's health guidelines, cancer prevention, and more. Good morning, Dr. Patel. Welcome back to the show. Hey, good morning, Jim. Thank you for having me again. It's great to have you on. Um, by the way, before we dive in, tell tell us just real quickly, walk us through a little bit of your background. What led you to wanting to specialize in radiation oncology? Well, thanks, Jim. Um, so personally, uh, I was born and raised in Houston and uh, did my undergraduate work at Baylor University and subsequently my medical school at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston and then um, did my radiation oncology specialty training at Emory in Atlanta. And then we moved here to in Knoxville in 2007 and been here since. Um, You know, in terms of the field itself, radiation oncology, it's not a well-known field uh, in terms of medicine itself, kind of a small specialty in terms of the number of physicians that practice it. But in generally, what happened uh, during medical school, um, you know, just had a little bit of exposure to oncology and actually witnessed a uh, procedure uh, in terms of radiation treatment for um, a woman that had actually uh, cervical cancer and uh, spoke with the radiation oncologist during that uh, time. And uh, that piqued my interest 
and uh, did a little bit more research and decided to do a little rotation in that field. And um, that's what kind of spurred me on to pursuing that as my primary specialty. So um, that's kind of how I became involved in oncology and specifically radiation oncology. I would think, Dr. Patel, that you, to be in that specialty, you've just really got to have a passion for helping people. I would imagine also it's kind of, I mean, it, I mean, the stuff you deal with day to day and week to week has got to be difficult, right? I mean, t- talk a little bit about how you get through. You know, on the one hand, you're helping people tremendously. On the other hand, you're seeing a lot of challenging things for, uh, you know, for people and their families. So can you just talk a little bit about the balance of, of that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it can be difficult. You know, obviously, for me and many others that have in, have gone into medicine, you know, we feel that it is a calling in terms of trying to uh, help others, serve others, hopefully get them to a better place in terms of not only their physical health, but also uh, mental and emotional health. And obviously, as we're all aware, cancer can be uh, a devastating disease, uh, not just physically taking a toll on the patient, but the, the emotional mental toll for themselves as well as their family and loved ones. And so it can be difficult. And um, uh, part of that is to know that what you're trying to do is really genuinely help that person in whatever way you can. And that can bring some gratification in terms of if you're able to accomplish even a little bit of along that journey. But also you have to have a little bit of um, ability to compartmentalize, I would say, and understand that you know what you're trying to do from a scientific standpoint is treat this disease and help this person along. But there's no doubt that emotions come into play and you always want to make sure that your empathy and compassion um, come to the forefront and help you push through. Because um, obviously we, in my specialty, I'm able to develop a, a relationship with my patients and see them through this whole process. And it can be difficult because you develop friendships and connections sure. and when you see them suffering or when you have to give bad news, you know, it can be tough. But you always have to know that at the end of the day, you're just trying to do your best for them. So. Well, Dr. Patel, um, we, we know overall health and, and prevention is so important. And during the past year and a half, certainly since the pandemic started, many have put off some of the routine doctor's exams, diagnostic tests, what are some of the dangers? What what have you seen, and has it led to bigger issues? So uh, that is a great point, and we always talk about this uh, with our colleagues um, all the time. But unfortunately, uh, due to the pandemic, and naturally people have had um, various obstacles and barriers in terms of getting their regular screenings and checkups with physicians, and unfortunately, Uh, What that has led to is people coming in with more advanced uh, issues, um, whether it's other medical problems, but particularly in the field of oncology, what we're seeing, unfortunately, is that patients are getting diagnosed with cancers that are in later stages than they would have otherwise been if they were able to come in earlier for their screening or checkups. Um, So, for example, I know we'll talk more about, you know, breast cancer, but uh, what we see is women... You know, they've put out their mammograms maybe for a year, year and a half because of all these uh, various issues they're facing. And they come in and you often see that not only do they have a, a cancer, but it tends to be more advanced or it can be more advanced. And that always 
least the challenges in terms of how we can treat them or treat them effectively. Yeah, we all know how important early detection is. Um, along those lines, Dr. Patel, you know, according to caregiver, caregiver.org, women provide the majority of informal care to spouses, parents, in-laws, even friends and neighbors to a degree. We all know that. And they play many roles while caregiving. And they tend to sometimes ignore or put to the back burner their own self-care. So how important is it that women look internally at self-care and talk a little bit about that challenge and the importance of staying on top of disease prevention? Yeah, no, it's, it's very important. Like you said, uh, the women in our lives are, are tend to be the backbone of everything that we're doing. And um, even though their lives are, are crazy busy and they have so many things they're doing and multitasking, uh, it's important to take care of yourself and do, from our standpoint, the little things that can make a big difference in the long haul. And obviously, sometimes uh, we all make excuses that, you know, we don't have time to do this or, you know, I, I just, just can't make the effort. I have to worry about other people or other things. But um, if we let those things go down the line, we may have to face a challenge or, or the women in our lives specifically may have to face a challenge that, that really can set them back, not only in terms of their health physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. So it's important to take a little bit of time to make sure that you're doing um, the things to keep yourself uh, in as best physical shape as possible so that you can do everything that you're already doing and even more so now and in the future. So, so let's dive in, Dr. Patel, to cancer screenings. Uh, specifically, let's start with breast screenings. Uh, recommendations for breast screenings can vary depending on your physician or even your insurance company. The Mayo Clinic recommends starting at 40 years old, the American Cancer Society 45, and then we know that that can change based on risk factors as well. So what do you recommend for women in terms of beginning breast mammogram screening? Yeah, so obviously sometimes there's varying uh, information based on the sources that you look at. But in general, when you look at most of the major uh, preventative guidelines, uh, 40 tends to be the age at which uh, we definitely recommend women at least get uh, their baseline mammogram and uh, kind of move forward annually. But obviously, like you said, there's a caveat. If there is a family history, um, then, you know, we should look at maybe screening earlier, you know, if a mother or sister a relative, uh, first or second um, generate um, degree relative has been diagnosed with something like that, then definitely should speak to your doctor about maybe starting that screening process earlier in the game. And obviously what we recommend for women is to kind of do their monthly breast exams and self-checks. And if they notice that there's a lump or something different, a different feel, bring it to your physician's attention. Even if you're not 40, if you're a younger uh, age, then we definitely need to get that checked out if there's a difference or a concern. Unfortunately, uh, Jim, you know, cancer doesn't start at age 40. I mean, we see women at much younger ages being diagnosed, so we just have to be vigilant and just make sure, you know, you're getting your proper checkups and um, doing what needs to be done to take care of yourself. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. We're talk uh, he is a radiation oncologist at Tenova Healthcare, and we're talking about women's health. When we come back, I actually want to dive into that a little bit more, Dr. Patel, in terms of different factors that contribute to cancer. We know there's genetic mutations. There's also environmental factors, diet, 
you know, let, let's just kind of dive into that a little bit. We'll also get into other screenings for things like cervical and ovarian cancer. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Very important topics. So please stay with us as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in today. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. Right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch all of our podcasts online. Go to BroganFinancial.com and click on radio. And we're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's a radiation oncologist at Tenovan. We're talking about women's health. And we were talking about screenings, Dr. Patel. Uh, Let's talk quickly about cervical screening. Typically, I think that starts at a much younger age than breast cancer screening. And I know women used to get a pap smear annually with their gynecological exams. Current recommendations seem to be about every three years. Are there any misconceptions about pap smears and their ability to detect cervical cancers? Uh, no, so you're correct that um, typically cervical can- cancer screening um, starts at a younger age. If you look at the guidelines from the American Cancer Society, Typically, you want to start uh, having those screenings at least by age 25. And generally, um, in the older days, you would think that it was supposed to be done, uh, pap smear is supposed to be done every year. But what we've seen is that if your pap smear is negative and there's no um, suspicious findings or uh, signs of maybe early stage uh, of what we call cellular changes, that could be early signs of um, cervical cancer development, that you can um, do those uh, screenings every three years instead of once a year. And, um, you know, cervical cancer is a great uh, example of a disease that where screening really makes a tremendous difference in terms of the outcomes. Um, If it's caught at a very early stage, it is highly curable. And um, we've seen a significant decrease in the overall incidence of cervical cancer in this country because of effective screening and prevention. Now let's let's talk about ovarian cancer. Um, currently there's, to my knowledge, there's not really a screening test for ovarian cancer. So what are the signs or symptoms of ovarian cancer and how can women protect themselves? Yeah, you're right, Jim. Unfortunately, uh, we just don't have a great screening test for ovarian cancer, you know, not like mammograms for breast cancer or like we just talked about pap smears for cervical cancer. So unfortunately, it's really just kind of coming in tune uh, with your body. Um, oftentimes, women that are diagnosed with ovarian cancer often have symptoms that they've been kind of dealing with for months, uh, if not longer, and just kind of thinking it's maybe some general nonspecific uh, symptoms like, you know, pelvic discomfort or bloating, uh, um, abdominal um, discomfort or swelling. Um, A lot of times you may not see these um, obvious signs where, you know, there's uh, vaginal bleeding or pelvic bleeding that that arises. So it's really just if if you feel like something's off with your body or different, you know, go to your physician, um, get checked out, explain those symptoms so that appropriate uh, testing can be done if needed. 
Um, so there are tools to help diagnose uh, such things, such as ultrasounds, pelvic ultrasounds, and examinations. But um, you know, not a simple test that we can do to just uh, screen for it. So it's really just understanding your body and explaining those um, symptoms that you may be feeling. Yeah, really being in tune to what's going on and and paying attention. I mean, I you know, I just think that it obviously is so important. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's a radiation oncologist with Tenova Healthcare, and we're talking about women's health. And let's talk a little bit, uh, Dr. Patel, about causes. Um, I know first with, with genetic mutations. I know uh, the BRCA1 mutation, I think I'm saying it's BRCA, I think you say BRCA, but at any rate, I know that uh, women that have the BRCA1 mutation, you know, have a much more high, much higher incidence of cancer. So talk about genetic mutations and when should women or should, should women be running tests for that? at an earlier age. So, um, yes, Jim, so you're right. Um, the BRC or BRCA mutation um, is kind of the well-known mutation that we have seen in, in breast and ovarian cancer. And unfortunately, um, if a woman has that mutation, they definitely have a higher risk of developing a, a breast cancer or, or ovarian cancer. That doesn't mean that they're destined to but they definitely are at higher risk for that. So if someone has this mutation, then it is imperative that they really do their screenings very diligently and start maybe even at a younger age and also make sure that their, their family members, the women uh, in their family, are also getting uh, screened and tested. A lot of times, you know, this testing is often not done as a screening, but until someone has been diagnosed with breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and we kind of dive into their family history and see, well, you know, do they have first degree relatives, mom or sister that have had a cancer history? And those factors will help us decide, you know, we need to get this type of mutation uh, tested for. And now, um, based on the National Comprehensive Cancer Network and their guidelines, uh, we often have seen that certain cancer diagnoses will automatically lend us to want us to test for such mutations. And, and unfortunately, uh, with, with technology and advancing science, uh, we are discovering uh, a lot more different mutations, some of which we know that there's association with cancer risk, some of, it, some of which we're not sure yet. And as time goes by and as we're able to do more research, we may be able to find those connections and even do a more um, effective job of screening earlier to, to try to detect cancer before sure. they become problematic. Now that's genetics. Let's talk a little bit about diet and other environmental factors. Um, you know, I know it seems like different doctors have different views on this, Dr. Patel, but certainly what we eat causes or doesn't cause depending on what we're eating, uh, inflammation in the body. <laughs> and, and, you know, you hear about inflammation, yeah. number one, but then you also hear about things like acidity, um, sugar. You know, certainly sugar seems to feed a lot of things that are not good. So can you talk a little bit about diet specifically, and then are there other uh, environmental factors we, need, we can be cognizant of? Sure, absolutely. So um, uh, you're correct, Jim. I mean, diets and exercise are kind of, 
you know, what we hammer all the time to our patients as tried and true, true methods to keep you healthy and, um, and well uh, for the long haul, uh, even though there sometimes can be difficult things to adhere to <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a proper fashion. Yeah, the, pro- the problem is we all love food, right? We all love yeah, certain kinds right. of food or, right. or a lot of kinds of food. <laughs> that's the hard part. That is, that is. But uh, um, you're right, diet does play a role, uh, specifically in uh, uh, cancer risk. Uh, what we have specifically seen is a lot of times um, being overweight or obesity definitely has a higher risk factor of developing cancer uh, or promoting an environment where cancer can uh, set foot and thrive. So we talk about sugars and these different things, but basically all those things can create an environment where that can happen. We see in folks that are unfortunately overweight or have a lot of uh, body fat the fat itself um, can help uh, increase the level of estrogen in, in the body, particularly for women. And that we know is a, a, a risk factor in terms of developing uh, breast cancer. So these are things that um, we definitely try to educate our patients that, you know, maintaining a good healthy weight, um, watching what you're eating. Obviously, I can't say you cut out all the donuts or Twinkies in your diet, but if that's what you're living on, we've got to make an adjustment. <laughs> in terms well, there's of a lot to be said for moderation, yeah. right? Right, absolutely. Well, and actually, absolutely. just to kind of pivot, I don't want to, we won't go down this road, but, you know, the number one killer in America of both men and women is cardiovascular disease, which, of course, we know diet and lifestyle has a huge impact. Genetics can, too, but certainly lifestyle has a big effect. You mentioned estrogen. Dr. Patel, let's talk about that a minute. Hormonal replacement therapy has become so popular over the last 10 to 20 years. I know we've actually seen some decrease in breast cancer incidence rates. And partially, I think that was due to reduced use of hormone replacement therapy in women after a large study back about 18, 19 years ago. And men do a lot of hormone replacement therapy. Women do it. Can you talk about that a little bit in the, you know, does that feed cancer? I know I, from what I've seen, most will say it doesn't cause it, but it definitely can feed it. Um, I know with men it can, with testosterone uh, and prostate, but talk a little bit about women and estrogen. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Um, so it is a, a complex issue because obviously, for women, um, you know, estrogen replacement or hormone replacement therapy can definitely significantly improve their quality of life based on the symptoms that uh, they're dealing with, which prompted them to get on that in the first place. But uh, we definitely know that estrogen can be a promoting factor in breast cancer development, mainly because we do know that certain breast cancers um, can express what we call estrogen receptors, which kind of use estrogen to feed. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone should not be on estrogen or we should stop it completely. Once again, it's, it's an individual evaluation and speaking with their doctor and making sure, well, are the benefits greater than the risks for you? Or if we're going to put you on estrogen um, replacement therapy, are we doing the proper screenings and checkups to make sure that, you know, we're not putting you at a higher risk of developing breast cancer? You know, for example, if a woman comes in and, 
you know, gosh, her mom, her sisters, multiple members of her family have been diagnosed with breast cancer, then I think we would definitely think twice about considering hormone replacement uh, therapy in that individual or really have that discussion with that person. Um, so, yeah, there's no doubt that there is, it is there, that is a factor. But again, can- cancer is a very complex disease. Sure. And sometimes we're trying to tease out, well, is, is this the reason why cancer developed for this person or was it uh, genetics or a combination? I think there's a lot of factors involved. And sometimes it's just a, a convolution of a perfect storm of all these things together that can lead to that development. So. Tell you what, we're going to get to our uh, bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dr. Nilesh Patel. We're going to talk about treatment modalities and, and you know, is the, uh, is, is the uh, COVID vaccine and the technology behind the mRNA vaccine is that, and some of the other modalities, is that kind of being applied to the world of cancer? We'll also have our dollars and cents segment. Inflation, the supply chain, and the economy and how that may affect your money moving into 2022 and beyond. So stay with us. We've got a lot to cover. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We're only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch our podcasts at broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. You can also catch us at YouTube. All of our Now, it's all audio, but you can still catch them at YouTube. Just type in Brogan Financial. Today we're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's a radiation oncologist at Tenova, and we're talking about women's health. Of course, October is women's health uh, awareness. And uh, before we get back to Dr. Patel, however, it is time for dollars and cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Inflation, the supply chain, and the economy. And how might this affect your money, both now and as we head into 2022? You know, everywhere we look, the global supply chain is a mess. And shortages of everything from fuel to food and toys are driving prices higher. And, it, you know, it, it may be easy to point the finger at the pandemic, and it certainly started all this, but there are other things to blame. You know, there are severe labor shortages, antiquated infrastructure, containers in the wrong parts of the world, And there's a sustained consumer demand in the United States, and it's led to this tremendous disruption, which has been a huge impact on inflation. And adding to the squeeze, companies are trying to replenish inventories. And then consumers are squirreling away everyday necessities, worried about empty shelves. You know, the big crunch didn't start overnight, and it's not going to end quickly, I don't think. Most logistics experts say the biggest problems, soaring shipping costs, 
delivery to delays, empty shelves in the supermarkets will extend well into 2022. Now, let's just look, kind of look at the numbers here. At any given time on the open seas, there are, in terms of shipping containers, at any given time, there are 25 million shipping containers, according to Bloomberg.com. And in Los Angeles, in April, on average, shipping containers were waiting about eight days to get into port. And now it's up to almost 13 days. Now, one thing that's really eye-popping is the price to send goods in a 40-foot shipping container from China to the United States, West Coast. Before the pandemic, the cost was a little over $1,700 per 40-foot container. The cost now, over $17,000, a tenfold increase. So if we really kind of examine where we're headed here, you know, the current crisis is just the latest in a series of breakdowns that really have prevented the entire transportation system from rebalancing since early 2020 when the pandemic hit. You know, it was almost exactly a year ago here at the end of October that the first couple of container ships had to drop anchor in San Pedro Bay to wait for space in L.A. Long Beach. So, it's, so, and then it's just grown over the last year. And at last count, there are 70 ships out there, and the average wait is nearly two weeks. So it's a tremendous damage to the supply chain. There's a broader economic challenge. There's a need to modernize infrastructure. Bottom line, how does this affect your money? I think higher consumer prices are going to last a while. I think we're going to see continued inflation well into 2022. Now, I do think if we look at it, this is something that has a cause that is unusual and unique that underlines other issues in the supply chain. But ultimately, that, I don't expect that to last forever. But there are some definitive inflationary issues right now. Then you add in the enormous fiscal stimulus from Washington, D.C. and the Federal Reserve. I think inflation is an issue both in the short term and the long term, especially with the fiscal stimulus out of Washington. So this means, you know, we already know in, in, in retirement particularly, it's hard, you know, on a fixed income, can that income keep up with inflation? And people are living longer and longer lives. Believe it or not, a 65-year-old married couple, the average life expectancy is that one of those spouses will live to 94 years old. 94. And 25% of you will live to 98. So it's a real issue with inflation. And so, you know, the younger you are, the more growth you're going to need. The earlier you retire, the more growth of your investments you're going to need. Yet, the best way to get growth in the long term with at-risk market investments creates the most volatility in the short term, and what do you do when you need stability of short-term income? So all of this is stuff that needs to be addressed in a financial plan. Do not sleep on the ravages of inflation and the importance of growing income over the life of your retirement lifestyle. 
That's our dollars and cents segment for this week. You can find this week's dollars and cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Please check us out at BroganFinancial.com. And uh, we've just got so much information there. You can follow our podcasts or on our radio page. You can also click on our resources. We publish a lot of guides. Uh, My next class, I have one more class this year, and it's a one-night class, Tax Planning in the New Age. And it's this Tuesday night. It's one two-hour session from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley. You can go to BroganFinancial.com and click on Classes. The name of the class is Tax Planning in the New Age. You can also go directly to TaxPlanningInTheNewAge.com and you can download a syllabus and click to register. Again, that's TaxPlanningInTheNewAge.com. You can also call Pellissippi State directly at 539-7167. The course fee, I believe it's $39. But I'd love to see you there in two hours. I'm going to cover as much as I can about income taxes now and the future, and most importantly, how you can keep more of your hard-earned money. So please follow us online at BroganFinancial.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, You can also uh, subscribe to our electronic newsletter where I try to keep you informed of all the latest. Today we're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. It is is Women's Health Month and Breast Cancer Awareness. We're talking about all the different issues with women's health. And Dr. Patel, I want to kind of transition into treatment modalities. Of course, as a radiation oncologist, you know, this is really where you specialize, and less invasive technology and targeted therapies are constantly being studied. So what are some of the new treatments out there for breast, cervical, and ovarian cancers? So thanks, Jim, again. Um, so you're right. Traditionally, when we think of cancer treatment, uh, we often have uh, three major buckets, you know, surgery, where you physically remove the, the, the cancer uh, through surgery, Uh, chemotherapy or drug therapy, and then my specialty, radiation therapy, where we're using uh, essentially high-energy x-rays or radiation targeted to the tumor to to kill and eradicate it. But, um, you know, as as science and technology has evolved, you know, we're looking at newer and newer treatment modalities um, that can fall into these traditional treatments in terms of more advanced techniques that um, are more precise or can lead to less side effects. Um, Particularly now, uh, some of the things that we're seeing in terms of drug therapies are concepts based on um, immunotherapy or targeted treatment where uh, utilizing a drug that can specifically target the cancer itself and trying to lessen peripheral damage to normal tissues or and that's the danger of the radiation, and that's the danger of radiation treatment, right? That's the, the biggest danger. Right, exactly. So, unfortunately, with radiation therapy, particularly with older techniques, um, you know, a lot of times uh, a lot of normal tissue around the tumor would get exposed to that radiation, and that can take a certain amount of radiation, but if you pass a certain threshold, you definitely increase the risk of side effects or complications. Uh, Fortunately, as we've made advances in our field, we do a much better job of targeting and delivering that treatment to a more precise target and limiting the amount of radiation to that surrounding normal tissue, so we're seeing less side effects. But yes, that is something that still is something we have to be very cognizant of. And so um, 
we're making advances in that field. But as a whole in oncology, there's been a lot of advances that have been made as a whole where we're trying to, um, obviously with early detection, you know, do a better job of curing cancer. But unfortunately, in those cases where the cancer, um, you know, is not caught early or is more resistant, trying it to convert into a more of a chronic disease versus a terminal disease. And so with newer and newer treatments, we're able to, let's just say, control the cancer better for much longer periods of time than we were before. With the evolution of what you see, and it seems to be exponential in terms of cancer treatment, I mean, Dr. Patel, where do you see us in five to 10 years? Do you see tremendous advancement in medicinal treatments? Do you, do you see a cure down the line? What, what do you see on the horizon scientifically? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, when I was going through uh, medical school and residency and I, you know, I told my friends that we're going to go, I'm going to go into radiation oncology, well, they asked, uh, aren't you worried that cancer is going to be cured? Um, and this was about 20 years ago. So unfortunately, cancer seems to be a disease that tries to find a way um, to kind of perpetuate itself. And so it'll be very difficult to say that there will be a cure for cancer as a whole, because unfortunately, we all know that there's all different sorts of cancers that depending on where it originates from. But I definitely do see that therapeutics will definitely improve in advance. Um, like we can specifically talk about different cancers like lung cancer or prostate cancer and the number of drugs and treatment options for advanced cases have, have really expanded and uh, patients that had stage four or what we call metastatic disease that we would often say, yeah, that's uh, pretty much a terminal prognosis, you know, six months to a year, maybe even with treatment. Those patients are living now four, five, six, you know, even longer years out from their original diagnosis because of these drug therapies. So I just see that um, there will be more treatment options, particularly in women with breast cancer. Um, you know, there's so many different drug options that are available now today than there were 10 years ago. And I just see that continuing to happen. We may not be able to get rid of the cancer, but I think we'll do a much better job of keeping that disease in check and women can live longer and not just live longer, but hopefully with a, a better quality of life as well. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? When we come back from our last break, we're not going to have a lot of time, but I do want to get into you know, with the, the tremendous medical innovation that's happened with the pandemic, is some of that going to be spreading over into other medical fields, but especially to cancer treatment and, you know, uh, even, even prevention. So stay with us as we're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel, radiation oncologist at Tanova. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week to more living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we're talking about women's health. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel, who's been a friend of our show and has always been gracious with his time and very good at explaining things in a way we can understand in a very complicated area. And Dr. Patel, you know, 
targeted therapy treatments with the COVID-19, like mono, monoclonal antibody treatments, of course, mRNA vaccine technology, you know, how is that transferring over to potential cancer treatments? I know some researchers, I think, are working on mRNA cancer vaccines. And then I mentioned the antibody treatment. So what are we seeing that's positive that moves over in terms of that medical innovation? No, absolutely, Jim. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of, uh, let's just say, misunderstanding and sometimes confusion about the mRNA technology but that technology actually has been in development for the past 20 years. It's just never been able to find a foothold. And the COVID-19 uh, vaccines have been a breakthrough in terms of that technology in finding an effective um, you know, vaccination for prevention. But we are seeing that same type of technology uh, being researched and used for oncology and cancer treatment. So the same idea that if on a certain type of cancer, we can identify what we call an antigen or a marker that maybe your body could recognize, and can we create this type of vaccine where your body can identify that marker on that cancer cell and trigger your own immune response, your own uh, white cells or T cells that attack, we call it what we think of infection, attack those cancer cells on a on a uh, you know, microscopic level, you know, that we feel hopefully that can take hold and we can find some, you know, breakthrough treatments in that regard. And like you said, just like the monoclonal antibodies, basically, you know, finding a target specific to a cell and seeing can we attach uh, a, a molecular medicine or treatment to that so it can specifically target that um, foreign entity, you could say, whether it's a virus in terms of, you know, COVID or whether it's a cancer cell in terms of, you know, any other type of um, cancer itself. So I definitely see that there's a lot of research going into that. And hopefully in the next few years, we could see some trials and potential um, options that might be available for patients. So. Dr. Dr. Patel, I just have a minute or so left, but what are some local resources for women who have questions or concerns about their health and potential risks for cancer? No, absolutely. So first and foremost, I think always we encourage our folks that uh, to always, you know, have a great relationship with your primary care physician. They're a great resource for preventative care because they're the ones that are seeing you and trying to look at your overall health. But obviously in terms of um, cancer prevention and risk, uh, the American Cancer Society is a great resource and tool um, that can often put things in, in, um, in easy terminology for us to understand in terms of things that you can do to, to learn more about cancer, its risks, and how to prevent and do the things that can improve your lifestyle for that. So um, I always refer that to, for patients uh, or their family members if they just want to learn more about cancer itself. And obviously, um, you know, getting in touch with specialists that deal with this, like myself or my colleagues in medical oncology or surgical oncology, that can really help uh, educate folks on, you know, what we need to look out for and how we can best help help uh, our community out. That's Dr. Nilesh Patel, radiation oncologist with Tenova Healthcare. Dr. Patel, thank you. You've been a good friend for the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us this week. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, much appreciated. 
Absolutely. Again, that's Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's with Tenova Healthcare uh, Radiation Oncologist. Today we've discussed women's health because greater health provides for greater community and more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you to Ben for engineering the board. Thank you to Jill for producing the show. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend. Be sure to follow us at broganfinancial.com and learn about my upcoming tax planning class at Pella City State. Have a great week. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.